Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. That we need to get done. If you would, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at three passages, three verses uh, today in Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm praying, here's what happens in these verses oftentimes, that uh, they're familiar, but some, for some reason they seem to get separated. Verses 8 and 9 usually stick together in our mind, but verse 10 kind of gets trailed off on its own thing. And I pray today that we make a strong connection between verses 8, 9, and 10, 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, hear, hear the word of the Lord here as soon as I get to the page. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one might boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I want us to focus today, most of our attention on verse 10. But again, like I said, so often verse 10 gets kind of separated in our thinking from verses 8 and 9, and that's a great travesty. They are so linked together. Now, we people often memorize uh, this uh, Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. It's right to do that. It is one of the most concise presentations of the powerful truth uh, of our faith. That it's only by the grace of God through faith that salvation comes. And it's, you, you ought to memorize it. You ought to, you ought to focus on it. it. It starts out with those three little words, for by grace. And in so many ways, it's the gospel story in a nutshell. Just those three words. Because friends... Our faith really is all about the grace of God given freely through his son, Jesus. Now, I want to run through just to show you where that grace picks up. The book of Ephesians is a great deal about grace. Really, the whole of God's word is about grace. But I just want to back up to kind of the opening chapter of Ephesians, and I want to do a run through. This is going to come fast. So if you printed out your, the, the notes you, and you want to take them, just get ready to write quickly. Here's the first thing I see in the opening of Ephesians chapter 1, and it's this. By grace, we've been given every spiritual blessing through Jesus. I, I see this in the opening of this chapter, that God's great grace, he, he sent his son, and in Jesus, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Look at verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing. So I want us to look at some of those because they're mentioned here in the book of Ephesians in the opening chapters. So this is the second thing I want you to see early in the opening chapters of Ephesians is by grace, we were chosen to become like Jesus even before the foundation of the world. We were chosen to become like Jesus. Even before Genesis 1-1 took place, God had planned that those who would come and put their trust in Jesus would become like him. Look at, look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. It says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be what? Holy and blameless before him. That God, before the foundation of the world, he planned to make us 
holy and blameless when he looks at us in, in his sight. And the way that he would do that, he would accomplish it by his grace through Jesus. A third thing I see in the early parts of Ephesians chapter uh, one is by grace, our forgiveness is proven. It's proven through the sacrifice of Jesus. Again, another, this is a great spiritual blessing to have your forgiveness proven to you. It's an act of God's grace that we're forgiven. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says, in him, we have redemption. That's, you have the assurance the, that, that you have been bought back through his blood, through the blood of Jesus. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. See, that forgiveness comes through that great sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. A fourth thing I see in the opening of Ephesians is that by grace, we have been given mercy while we were still dead in our sin. We were, God showed us mercy while we were still stuck, living, wallowing in our sin. It was just the sheer grace of God. Ephesians chapter two, verse one starts off this way. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. That, that was the condition we were in. That's the condition God called you out of when he called you to Jesus. Uh, verses one, two, and three go on to talk about the details of what that really looked like. But in verse four, it said, but God, being rich in mercy, Aren't you glad God's rich in mercy? I mean, praise God that he's rich in mercy. You know, sometimes we walk around thinking, you know, God just, he, he, he's got to show me. God didn't have to do anything, but by his grace he did. A, four, a fifth thing that I see in the opening of Ephesians, by grace, we were loved by God. Ephesians chapter two, verse four says, because of the great love with which he loved us. It's, it's because of that, out of, by grace, because of his great love. Again, some people think, well, God just had to love me. No, he did not. There are days, I have on a good authority, that none of us are always lovable. None of us are always lovable. Sometimes it seems like some of us are never lovable. But God loved us by his grace. Sixth thing I see opening in, in, in the early parts of Ephesians is by grace, we were given life, though deserving death. We deserve death, but God gave us life. Ephesians 2, 5, when we were dead in our trespasses, God did what? He made us alive. He gave you life in Christ. He brought you from a person who was dead man, dead woman walking to a person who now has life in Christ. Just a few more. By grace, our future is secured. Your future, my future has been secured by the grace of God. If you're in Jesus, if you've trusted Christ, your future is secured. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verses six and seven. It says, God raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places. Raised us up and seated us those are past tense. Those have already been done. He's done that. He's put us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, in the, the eons, the millennia, the eternity yet to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. There are still kindnesses of God that you haven't seen yet, that he wants to show you. You've been raised up if you're in Christ. You've been seated with Christ. It means it's a done deal. Your future is secure. All by his grace. One more. 
by his grace, our salvation was gifted to us, and it is secured. If you came to Christ, it was by his grace, you've been given salvation as a gift, and it is secure in Christ. All you've got to do is receive it. Receive it in Jesus. And this brings us right back to where we started in verses 8 and 9, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, your own making. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works, not a result of anything that you do so that you won't be able to boast about it. So you can't say, hey, look what I've done. I've made myself right with God. That has nothing to do with anything. It's all by grace, not by works. That's why it's so important that verse 10 always be couched in verses eight and nine. Because so many people... I, I really do believe, I, I posted a video on Realm of uh, a, a kind of a, a, a personal study that a guy did, and what he was combating in this was this idea that people believe that the only way to God is through works. That is like the common thing in our culture today is the way that you get to heaven is your good deeds have to outweigh your bad deeds. It's a lie. That's why this verse about your workmanship and works has to be couched in, it is by grace through faith alone. That's all it is. And so verse 10 starts out this way, for we are his workmanship. New Living Translation translates it this way, for we are God's masterpiece. Uh, Dr. Wiest uh, has an expanded translation in the New Testament. He's a Greek scholar. He translates it this way, for we are his handiwork. Now, the word, that get, the, the word there out of the Greek language that gets translated either as workmanship or handiwork or, or masterpiece is the Greek word poema. Can you think of an English word close to that? Poem. That's where our English word poem comes from, is derived from this. And when you think of a poem, you think of a work, a, a great beautiful work, a great, a great masterpiece. That's what the Bible says about you if you're in Christ. And I'm gonna, I want to come back to that idea in a little bit. I want to press on a little further into, into chapter 2, verse 10 here. It says, we are his workmanship. And you could start that by saying, for by grace, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, this verse is filled with so much in the context of the series that we're doing right now called Flourish, looking at how God intends for our life to flourish. There's some things that I want to point out about verse 10 and God's intent for your life and my life to flourish. We talked a little bit last week about it, and we, we said that God intends for our lives to flourish through good works that happen internally and externally. But I, here, here's something that I see when I look at verse 10, and it's this. By grace, God pre-planned unique flourishing opportunities for you. He pre-planned some very unique, aimed at you, flourishing opportunities for you. And I want the rest of our time together to be really, really practical in helping you see what that looks like in real time so that maybe you can step into some of those real 
opportunities that God has planned for you. And here's what I want to do. I want to show you a video because I'm inter- we want to introduce to you a new ministry that's going to be uh, kind of launching here at River Bluff. It's an international missions opportunity that the Lord has brought to us to participate in. Our elders kind of took several weeks and prayed through this thing to make sure it wasn't, you know, just something for a few people and not for the whole church. But we believe it's the hand of God in this for the whole church to kind of step into. And some among us have already done this. And uh, in this video, I want you to listen very closely to what uh, uh, missionary Brian Miller is going to say. His first sentence, he says it really fast, so I'm going to tell it to you before it starts running. He says, hey, do you like coffee and babies? It's an interesting line to start with, I thought. But listen to Brian Miller. If y'all will run that video, please. Hey, do you like coffee and babies? Let me tell you a story. See, I'm from Esther's home. Esther's home is in Medellin, Colombia. And you might have never been to Medellin, Colombia, but Medellin, Colombia has a beautiful city with lots of great things happening. But within that city, there's 4,000 people who live on the streets every night living homeless and we started Esther's home with the idea of reaching out to young girls that are pregnant. They have no place to stay. They might be sleeping underneath the bridge at night. They might be uh, just sleeping underneath an awning at night. And we go out looking for these girls on the streets and we bring them back to our home. In our home they receive free education, free food, free housing. We train them so that they finish our program and they go back out and get a real job. They no longer have to sell candies on the street to provide for the babies. They no longer have to sell the actual bodies to provide for the babies, but they're able to provide for their own children through a skill that they learn in our foundation. And you're asking, well, what does coffee have to do with that? Well, we're in Colombia, the capital of coffee in South America. And we traveled the mountains trying to find the best tasting coffee and we found it. What's special about our coffee is we hand pick it. It's an it's a organic process. It's a free trade process. And the coffee is, comes from a higher elevation, which creates a more robust flavor, the greatest tasting coffee you can buy. Each two bags that you buy through babybeans.com will house one of our girls for one day in our girls' home. It's 100% of all of the profit goes straight to our girls' home. And I'd like to invite you to try some of our coffee to have the wow factor, but not just to have the wow factor, to have a warm heart when you're drinking our coffee, knowing that every penny of the profit is going straight to our girls' home and helping a girl have a new life. So I thank you very much. Hey, do you like coffee and babies? Who don't, you know? It's a, I thought that was a great way to start the video. It's, it's, it's a great question. Now, join me on stage uh, now. Uh, our two brothers in Christ that are uh, uh, just deeply connected here at the river. This is Darren Gerties, and this is Derek Hicks. And they play into this story in some incredible ways. But for those of you that may not know them, I want them to just kind of briefly introduce themselves to you. Tell us a little bit about maybe your, your family, you know, what you do vocationally, maybe how long you've been hanging out at the river, that kind of thing. Who's going first? Darren. Uh, I'm Darren Gertis. Uh, we've been here at River Bluff for just under 10 years. Uh, my wife, Nicole, my six kids, Gracie, Ian, Alex, Christy, Sophie, and Lily. Um, you've probably bumped into them or they've bumped into you. Um, and I am a professor at, in the College of Business at Charleston Southern University. And this is my connection to the story. 
I'm My family's been here for about 12 years or so. My wife teaches Sunday school here, Cheryl Hicks. Uh, I've got four kids. Uh, one is active duty in the Navy right now, the oldest, 19. I've got a 16-year-old, watch out, a boy named Chandler. I have a 10-year-old named Emmett, and then I have my little six-year-old girl named Raina. So I'm retired Navy, and I've been an engineer, and I've been in the business world for a while now. Amen. Amen. Well, they, they play a part in the story uh, of a connection to what you saw on the screen a moment ago, and uh, I, I'm praying that you'll, you'll see the hand of God in this. That's really what our heart is this morning. Um, Darren, you have had a connection with Brian for some time now. Will you tell us just a little bit about how you met him? And yeah, so we were in I was working on my PhD, he's working on his MA in uh, Missiology, and we were teaching at a little classical Christian school where he was teaching Spanish, and um, a couple years, like he, he had already been to Colombia on short-term missions trips, his heart was set on going to Colombia to be a missionary, and he went back. Uh, a couple of years after we had met, and he was—he uh, started a few church plants. Uh, he was working on the streets with uh, orphans uh, that, you know, they were huffing paint, and it was just—it was tragic. It would pull on your heart. Um, and so he was doing all this kind of thing. I went off and went to Liberty and then came here after that. Uh, and we've kept in touch over the years, but it wasn't until I saw on Facebook, he was, he was doing some Facebook Live something where he was talking about how he was adding the final wing to Esther's home and they were selling coffee in order to you know, fund Esther's home ongoing. And that piqued my interest. I'm a management professor. So um, I, I messaged him and I said, hey, look, um, would you be willing to talk about this on my podcast? I had just started a podcast. This was June of last year. I just started a podcast. It's the Leadersmith, L-E-A-D-E-R-S-M-I-T-H. And I tell you that because episodes 33 and 34, if you want to see this, you can see our interview. And in 120 in December, you can see another interview. So he says, sure, he comes on and we do the podcast. I'm thinking hopefully it'll get him some publicity for this home. And a few weeks later, I get back to him and I say, look, I'm prepping for an organizational change course. I think we might have a project here. Like we might be able to do this with some students and hopefully get you some more traction. And so we talked about that. I, inter I recorded that and then I showed it to my students in the fall and unanimously they wanted to do this project. And that's what brings us to Derek. Well, b before we go to Derek, I, I want you to share one more thing about kind of what COVID did to their system of support. Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, COVID was just shutting everything down and this is worldwide. So even in Colombia, in Medellin, Colombia, they're shut down. Now they used to have uh, 10 groups of missionaries, short-term missionaries, maybe 10 in each group, come down every year. And so to get the coffee back to the United States, they would saddle their missionaries back up with 50 or 100 pound bags of coffee and ship them back to the United States with the short-term missionaries. They had like these missionary mules that would carry the coffee back and then they would sell them at their, you know, at their churches and whatever. And that's how they were generating profit. Well, COVID shut everything down. They had no funding. And when I'm hearing this, I'm bringing this to my organizational change class saying, hey, we got to do something. How can we work out the supply chain or whatever we can do to help them? And that's where we connect with Derek. So Derek, 
you stepped into this. Now, I, I want to make sure everybody's clear. You're a, you're a student at CSU. You're yes. working on your master's. Yes. But you're not in his class. No. You have no idea what he's talking about, that that was going on or anything like that. Zero. How did you get connected to this? So I was taking a class, um, and I'm talking to a lady. We were on a, a Zoom meeting and just about a project. And she said she had another class where she's doing a, um, a management class. It's, it's about change. And she said, it's about coffee. I said, oh, really? I said, well, I'm actually in the coffee business now. So come from engineering and in a coffee business, a little bit dangerous, right? We'll figure it out. But we, um, we got together and we started talking a little more. And I found out what, what Esther's home was all about. So it's about helping. It's this wonderful opportunity about helping these girls that are sex traffic girls from the drug lords of, of Columbia. And they're out on the streets and he's going and he's visiting them and he's bringing them into this home. So he had coffee helping young girls. So two bags of coffee support a girl for a day. So we actually went in and we totally rebranded his whole business and we brought it back up to speed. So that's where the name Baby Beans uh, came from, is this big change from the organizational change class. And so we started making coffee and we developed even a label and I'd like to point out here, if you look on there, there's a little picture of a teddy bear. And you wouldn't think much about that. Some people would think it's a little bit cartoonish. However, it's very important. It's very important to stay true to their roots. That used to be hand-drawn on every single coffee bag by the girls. So they took the time. You think how much labor was involved in drawing that teddy bear and other things on every one of them. So I went into Photoshop and Illustrator. I sat 17 hours in one Saturday and we rebranded that business. And the other girls were working on you know, social media and stuff like that. But that little teddy bear right there, and there's a story on it, it says, why a teddy bear? And you flip it over and it tells you about it. Those girls spent, like I said, an enormous amount of time and pouring their heart into it so they can make money to help other girls. So we left the teddy bear on there. Now, you have, you mentioned that you're, have stepped into the coffee business. How long have you been in the coffee business? Whopping six months. Six months. <laughs> so uh, currently, th this kind of new business launch that you're doing, you're roasting, you started roasting coffee and all that. How long ago did you find out about, uh, about this movement? How long ago did you find out about this work that was taking place? Oh my gosh, it was like the end of last semester. Okay. It so was... I mean, we hadn't been roasting coffee too terribly long and we found out about this. Okay. I, I, just this incredible connection of what God's done in this. Now, um, one of the pieces that is striking to me is, and that I really want to uh, kind of ask you guys about is how has this impacted you personally now and uh, maybe even your families? How, how, what does this do to your soul to, to know God's invited you into this good work to, to build his kingdom in, in Colombia, uh, what does that look like for you guys? So my wife, my family, it's affected them a lot. Uh, my wife had actually been praying for three days, like, you know, God, if, if there's something I can do and to give back and, and help these young girls, um, let me know. So my wife was in the first service, and I hope she's not watching this one. So <laughs> she said, um, when the coffee business came along, she said to me, of all people, you're helping 
the, the girls, and I'm praying about it. And I said, well, I don't know how to quite take that. But she, her prayers brought me and all of us to help to get together. It was God's plan for us to bring coffee and help support these girls. Last Saturday, I, my wife and I were in there uh, packaging coffee, but the 10-year-old boy, Emmett, and the six-year-old, Raina, they got to help, and they got to be part of this, and they were packaging coffee, and they, were, they thought they were big stuff, right? But it affects my family a lot. Mm, amen. Yeah, and for me, you know, my, stu my uh, students were really the primary uh, focus. My, my kids have watched this all the way through, and so I'm glad that they're seeing these lessons as well. But my students, uh, they, they got to experience from the ground up, like, how to help through this. And again, to your your point about you know everything that you're talking about, I'm just a middleman. Like I saw this, I had the, that connection because I knew Brian for years and saw it, and just thought, hey, how can I help? I'm just a business professor here. Uh, it's not like I can get up and go there, but. I was a, that first connection and then made the connection to my class and then somebody in there that I couldn't tell made the connection to Derek and then Derek had other expertise that he brought to the table and then one thing led to another to another to another. And that's the way that God works. It wasn't like what I could do. I couldn't orchestrate it all, but God could. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to take a moment for us to just pray together. Um, uh, before we do that, I, I want to share this. There, there is a, a, an also a bigger point to this for our church. Um, we are, uh, have, have agreed, our elders have, to step into this at another level. And um, it, uh, Derek and his crew, is going, they're going to continue roasting the coffee, packaging it in these bags, and getting it to River Bluff. And River Bluff is going to become the distribution center. And so uh, there'll be, coffee will be stored here. And when an order comes in, they've set up a whole website. All the, all the orders are now done electronically. When an order comes in, uh, a label can be printed out here at the church. Somebody can slap that label on bags of coffee and take it to the post office or whatever distribution center. In fact, I think one of your classes right now is working on trying to get the cost of shipping down for us um, to, to try to do that to maximize profits for uh, Esther's home. And so we're stepping into this ministry. Maybe this is something God has planned for you to be involved in in the days ahead. But we want to pray. We want to ask the Lord's blessing on, on what he's doing, obviously, and, uh, and, and for, for those in Columbia. Let's pray together. Father God, we come. We thank you, God, for your heart that is huge for the world. We thank you, God, that you have a vision that we don't have, that you see, God, you see the hearts, you see the brokenness in Colombia. You see, God, those, those lives that have been destroyed, that are being put back together by your grace, oh God. And then you invite us into your work, your kingdom's work. God, I am so grateful that we don't have to dream up big plans for you and ask you to bless them, that you show us where you're at work in the world and invite us to enjoy you, join you in that. And we just say, praise you, God, that you want us to find good works to be involved in with you. God, I, I thank you for, for Darren and for Derek, their heart for you, their heart to listen to you and then step in, God, when you give invitation. And I thank you that this church, God, we seek to do that as well. But we come now praying for Brian Miller. We ask you, God, to bless the work that is going on there. We ask you to bless him and his family. We ask you to bless Esther's home. 
We pray, God, that, uh, Lord, it will not only be supported, but it will be able to grow, to impact even more lives, rescuing these women out of sex trafficking, rescuing little babies, God, yet unborn in their mother's womb, having a place to come and, and, and Lord, be, be protected and trained up into a, a new work, job skills, God, for the purpose of going back out and living in a healthy way. But God, also that they are being presented the gospel of Jesus. They're being shown the gospel and they're being proclaimed the gospel while they're at Esther's home. And we just pray, God, over and over again that lives will be transformed by the power of Christ. Father, thank you for giving us opportunity to walk with you in your kingdom and what you're doing on this earth. We praise your holy name and it's in your name we ask these things, amen. Brothers, thank you. I'm gonna ask you if you'd mask up and head back to your seats. Will y'all thank them for, for coming and sharing today? Amen. I, uh, I just wanna kind of bring some tie up to what we have heard uh, here today. Um, just, just kind of a, a, about this. I want to go back and read to you one more time. Listen carefully. Ephesians 2.10, for we, you, are his workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're created for that, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, again, we talked about these good works last week. Some of those good works are going to be internal. They're going to be transformative on the inside of you. Some of them are going to be external. No matter, it's all by the grace of God. And he planned those good works, those internal good works and those external good works. And I love what this verse says about those good works. I, I love that it's cradled in, uh, you know, by grace have you been saved through faith because if not, we would all get caught up in thinking it's about our works, that somehow we can work our, our way to salvation. Friends, I don't know if you know this, but one of the greatest lies in our culture today that still exists is that you get to heaven, the way that you get to heaven is for your good deeds to outweigh your bad deeds. So prevalent in our culture. In fact, I posted a, a, a video on Realm. It's about a 14-minute video that, that talks about how damaging that is in our culture today. And we've got we've to work our way out of that. That's why I love that this verse 10 is with verses 8 and 9 in Ephesians 2. By the grace of God, he did that. So that we would never lose sight of the fact that these good works do not get us into our salvation it doesn't, it doesn't result in salvation, but here, here's what these good works do. These good works are a result of our salvation. Because you're in Christ, you're able to do these good works that have eternal value. And the only way that can happen is by the grace of God. You and I couldn't manufacture that. And it will only happen for us when we come to deeply hold to the belief that God's word tells us that you're his masterpiece. You'll never look into good works if you don't first believe that you're his masterpiece. If, you, if what you see when you look in the mirror is, is somebody who's broken, somebody beyond repair, somebody who's got all kinds of hurts, habits, and hangups, somebody, all you see is your sin. If you don't see in God's sight, he sees you as a great work of art that he created so that he would get glory from your life. Until you see that, you'll never step into these good works. See, Good, good works are not by our good efforts. It's just the willingness to let Christ live out his life through you. 
Jesus came and he did good works while he was here. And he said, I'm going to leave and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he'll be in you. Jesus wants to continue those good works living through your life. But how do you get connected to him? How do you, how do you get to connected to those good works that God pre-planned for you? There are probably many ways. I just want to give you two, two quickly. The first one is this, and I hope, hopefully they're going to be real practical too. In order for you to experience life's flourishing that God has planned for you from, through these good works, the first thing is this. I discovered that these opportunities to flourish when I set my heart on his kingdom. You'll, you'll start to really see opportunities to flourish these flourishing opportunities God has pre-planned for you once you set your heart on his kingdom. You've got to willingly choose, God, I'm going to surrender my plans to your plans. I want what you want more than I want what, what I want. Father, I've come to believe, I've come to trust, I've come to see that your plans are far better than mine. And it's only when we start giving up our self-interest for kingdom interest start looking out for the needs of others than our own, that we'll begin to step into some of those kingdom opportunities, some of those flourishing opportunities. But it's a heart issue. It's this, it's this issue of the heart. In the greatest sermon ever given by Jesus, ever given, I'll just stop there, ever given. It was given by Jesus. Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about all these ways that your life could be different. And then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 of that, of that message, he says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. It's a heart issue. You've got to set your heart on letting Jesus be your king. You gotta want his kingdom to come and his will to be done more than you want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Man, that's a hard place to live. But if you want a life that flourishes, you gotta want that more than what you want your stuff. God will do that for you. He'll show you these good works, internal works that he wants to do, external works that he wants to do. He's good, and he pre-planned these before the earth. He, he's, he, he loves you that much. He's been thinking about you that long because your life matters to him. A second practical way to get connected to life-flourishing good works that God has pre-planned for you, I see this, is I discover these opportunities to flourish when I look at what is already in my hand. When I look at what God has already given me, given you, what... What, what natural talents do you have? What gifts do you have? What are you good at? What relationships, connections do you have? What is it that's already heavy on your heart that you look at the world and say, dear God, please do something about this? You know, is it sex trafficking? Is it is it hunger? Is it homelessness? Is it, is it abortion? Is it people who are hurting and broken and addicted and lonely? What, what is it? That's in your hand. You, you, God's already given that to you. In Exodus chapter 4, there is the encounter that Moses has with God on the mountain. And on that mountain, 
God begins casting a vision for Moses' life. God begins laying out a plan of good works for Moses to join him in helping set his, ca- his people free who have been in captivity for 400 years. And he, God comes to Moses, calls Moses up, and Moses is amazed. And God says, I'm going to use you, Moses. And Moses starts arguing with him. And Moses says, how will, they, how will they know I'm from you? What, what? And, and here's what God says. You need to see this. It's in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. The Lord said to him, what's in your hand? What, what do you already have at your disposal, Moses? What, what is it? And Moses' answer was, he said, I have a staff. Some of you that know the story know that God said, throw it down. He became a serpent. And God told Moses, pick it up by the tail. Now, those of you who know me know, boy, I hate snakes. Live snakes, dead snakes, rubber snakes. I just hate snakes. I'd have had a hard time picking up that snake. But Moses picked it up. It turned back into a staff. And God, God tells Moses, I'm going to use this. That's already in your hand, Moses. You don't have to go out and, and, and get something new. You don't have to get some new tra- You just walk with me, Moses. You get down to verse 17. We read this. And take in your hand this staff, God says, with which you shall do the signs. You're going to do signs with this staff that are going to blow Pharaoh away, all of Egypt away, You're going to set my, my people free. God says, look at what's already in your hands. I want to work through that. Don't be looking around for some kind of new gifting or new experience. What is it that God has already given you right now? What's going on with you? God had given Derek coffee. Coffee was in Derek's hands. He had just started into this business. He felt, you know, this this was a career move for Derek. And he starts down this path, and then God brings this, this issue that's on his wife's heart, human trafficking in Colombia. You know, that's an issue that's on the heart of many here. So many uh, of our ladies in our women's ministry are connected to Doors to Freedom locally. Well, here's a global opportunity for us to step into this. But, but Derek took what God had given him in his hand already, and he said, I, I know coffee, and now I'm learning marketing and I'm learning how to do this. Darren, in Darren's hands, are students. Students eager to learn. Students looking for opportunities. Students who God put on their heart to make a difference in the world. It was, it was in Darren's hand. And they just took what they had that God had already given in their hand and they unleashed it into, into this great work. Some of you have had this wonderful ability to read children's books creatively. Now, there are some people who really don't need to do this. There, if, if you're a monotone and you just want to read like that, the frog and the kettle, or, you, you're probably not called by God to read a book for our, our partners at Oak Brook Elementary School. But some of you can do that. You could read creatively. Video yourself doing that. Give that book and, and help our Reading Buddies program. Some of you are doing that, but that, that's something that may already be in your hand. I think about what happens out here on some Saturdays. Uh, people who have skills with wrenches to fix vehicles go back there and they work on vehicles 
and they get them up to speed so that they can be donated to a single mom so that her life might be able to flourish and she might be able to get to work. Some of you holding in your hand, maybe you have a car that you need to donate to the car's ministry so that they can do a work with it and get it into the the, the life of a mom. And then everybody has this opportunity to flourish. And see, those are good works that God had in mind before he laid the foundations of the earth. Here's kind of the closing thought. It's my summary thought. It's kind of the big idea for the day. I'm going to repeat it twice. By grace, you are a handcrafted masterpiece of God designed to flourish in predetermined good works. You are a handcrafted masterpiece of God designed to flourish in predetermined good works if you're in Jesus. That's, that's who you are. Now, the starting point of this is believing. Believing it to the point that it changes the way you think about yourself regularly. You have to first believe that you are a handcrafted masterpiece of God. If you do not, you will not flourish in this life. If you do not, you will not see the good works around you you, you just will not. You will not. If you don't see yourself as a masterpiece, you're going to miss out on the good works. You've got to believe that you matter to God, not because of your exceptional goodness, but by his grace that is great towards you. God, God loves you. I, there's a, a book. I, I, some of you know that I do love some books. And there's a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Um, it's by Brennan Manning. I want to I share an excerpt from it. It says this. Brennan writes, And grace calls out, You are not just a disillusioned old man who may die soon, or a middle-aged woman stuck in a job and desperately wanting to get out, or a young person feeling the fire in the belly begin to grow cold. You may be insecure, inadequate, mistaken, or pot-bellied. No comments there, anybody. Death, panic, depression, and disillusionment may be near you, but you are not just that. You are accepted by God. Never confuse your perception of yourself with the mystery that you are really, really accepted. The Apostle Paul writes, The Lord said, my grace is enough for you. My power is at its best in weakness, so I shall be very happy to make my weakness my special boast so that the power of Christ may stay over me. Whatever our failings may be, we need need not lower our eyes in the presence of Jesus. Unlike Quasimodo, the hunchback of Notre Dame, we need not hide all that is ugly or repulsive in us. Jesus comes not for the super spiritual, but for the wobbly and weak need who know they don't have it all together and who are not too proud to accept the handout of amazing grace. As we glance up, we are astonished to find the eyes of Jesus open with wonder, deep with understanding, and gentle with compassion. When you look up, what do you see? 
What do you see when you try to look at the reflection of yourself? Do you see Jesus looking at you intently with joy and hope, celebrating that you are his masterpiece, you are his wonderful, beautiful work of art? Are all you, uh, is all that you ever see is sin? Is all that you ever see is your struggle, your hurt, your hang up, wh- whatever? What do you see? God sees a masterpiece. God has good works, plans for his good workmanship. That's you. And if you're ever going to experience the flourishing life that God has planned for you, you have got to connect to those good works. And the only way you will ever connect to those good works is knowing that you are first and foremost a great work of God himself. Pray with me. Lord, we, we come We come as your children, God. We come now, having opened your word, having examined your word, having walked through your word, God. We come to this moment where we have to ask ourselves, do we trust it? Do we believe it? Will we walk in it? Will we step in it? Will we let it wash over us so that we believe it more than we believe the messages of this world? Will we believe your words about us, God, more than we believe the messages that we got as children or maybe adults from other people? Will we believe your message, God, that tells us in your sight we're beautiful, we're a great creation, we're your masterpiece? Will we believe that more so that we might, with power, By grace, step into those good works that you have planned. Will we right now do that? Will we build our lives on your word, the things that you say that are true, or will we continue to walk in our brokenness? You have to decide right now. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust the word of God? Are you going to trust some lie that Satan put on your life years ago maybe are you going to trust that you're beautiful in God's sight and he has wonderful plans for you that in Jesus your sins can be forgiven forgotten wiped out pushed away so that all he sees you as is blameless and holy in the sight of God do you see that do you believe that that's God's heart for you only then will you walk in good works Only then will you see them and be able to walk your life through them and in them. And only then will you find a life that is flourishing in the kingdom of God. What are you going to build your life on? False narratives or the word of God? You are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works that he pre-planned for you before the foundation of the earth that you might walk in them. Will you rest in that goodness? The starting place for you is to be in Christ Jesus. If you've never trusted him with your life, if you've never said, Jesus, I realize that I am a sinner separated from you by my sin, and I'd bust hell wide open if if I showed up today. But right now, Jesus, by your grace, I'm trusting you. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray right now. Jesus, I'm trusting you to be my savior to be my leader, to be my king. 
I step into your kingdom as your masterpiece. You can pray that prayer right here in a seat in this building or right there where you're seated watching at home. If you pray that prayer, we want to help you. Please contact us at the church. Let us know of your decisions so that we can follow up with you and encourage you in your walk so that you understand how to live out being the beautiful masterpiece God has planned for you. God, we love you. We come now to take this kind of closing moment to remind ourselves to build our life on you, on your word, in your love. It's in your name we pray and give thanks. Amen.